welcome to Try, Try Again with Catherine Velas, a podcast dedicated to relationships, the one you have with yourself and others. Someone asked me how I choose the topics for the podcast. Usually they come from hearing something repeatedly during the week in my client sessions. This week, what I heard from a number of you were about the struggles that come in setting boundaries. And so today's episode is about setting healthy boundaries for fuller, richer, and more meaningful relationships. I outlined six steps to healthier boundaries and a few exercises you can use right now. But first, I want to start with a kind of book review. The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein is one of the best books on boundaries and love. It was a book my children often requested when they were little. If you aren't familiar with it, I'd encourage you to read it, especially if you're having trouble setting boundaries in your life. The story is a simple one. And when I first read the book, I had the feeling the tree was the mother. Because very often in metaphor and literature, a tree can represent the maternal. So I looked at the story as the boy asking for what he needs from the mother tree. And the mother tree is happy to give what she has. Her apples, her branches, and her trunk for the benefit of the boy and to see him happy. At the end of the book, this is a spoiler alert if you haven't read it, the tree is a stump and the boy is a tired old man who sits on the tree because he simply wants a quiet place to rest. The tree is happy because now she is with the boy who in the past had been so busy doing other things. And that's the end. As a young mother, I read that story and thought, of course I would give anything to my children to make them happy. We talked about how the boy seemed rather selfish, continually taking from the tree and never spending any time with her. And that was really as far as our analysis went. The boy was not right, but neither was the tree. I think of this book as something of an anomaly. This is a book without a true antagonist or protagonist, or at least neither is clearly defined. It would be tempting to identify the boy as the antagonist, selfish and asking repeatedly for more and more, greedy. However, the tree has taught the boy how to treat her. She has failed time and again to set healthy boundaries for herself and thus the boy. She ends up as a stump being sat upon, and the story tells us she is happy. The word happy is a bit of a loaded word for me, and it has a kind of temporary feel, but for many it means a feeling that comes from having our needs met and getting what we want. So if the tree's only purpose was to have the boy physically close to her and need her, then she probably is happy. But it is an immature happy and a greedy kind of love. If she is the one that taught the boy how to love, it is no wonder he was taking what he needed, knowing full well she would give. It strikes me as a story of codependence and poor boundaries and how we teach that to one another under the guise of selflessness and sacrifice. And because I like analyzing stories and infusing meaning into different things, I did want to point out that the only thing the boy did not take were the roots. The stump is still rooted to the ground, and we typically think of roots as the very things that hold us in place, that anchor us, our history and our ancestral past. The tree did not give the boy these things. The boy did not ask for them because he wasn't aware they existed. He was rootless. So how do we set healthy boundaries so we don't become an old stump rooted to the ground upon which people place their behinds? Well, first, you have to know yourself. Know what makes you uncomfortable. Know the emotional and spiritual cost of what you're considering doing or giving. Know when you feel unappreciated. 
You have to know your feelings and you have to value yourself. One of the best ways to start is to listen to a podcast or read a book like The Language of Letting Go or The Alchemist or Untamed or any number of biographies or autobiographies of people who have excelled despite traumas and obstacles. Read a few pages or listen for a while and then think about what you read. Journal about it. How did it feel when you read those words or heard them? Did they speak to you? And if so, how? Second, and in the same lane as number one, know your history, your past, and your trauma, and how it affected you. People who struggle with boundaries usually have one of a couple of worldviews. One is we don't value ourselves. We don't think we deserve consideration, and we believe our feelings don't matter. We have learned to be responsible for other people and to be nice or to feel sorry for them. The second is a kind of arrogance that stems from thinking we are in a better position to do something than the person we are helping. It goes to the core of codependency and alleviates the other person from responsibility and accountability. It is rescuing. And there is some arrogance in thinking we can do it better and thinking they just aren't capable. And I'm not talking about somebody who has legitimate limitations and needs assistance. I'm talking about people who could do for themselves need to do for themselves. The first and second examples stem from being told at some point in our lives, usually childhood, that our feelings don't matter. Sometimes we are children who had to pick up the slack from a parent who emotionally and or physically deserted us. There may be or have been an addict in the family who is taking or receiving all the attention and energy and resources. It may be a parent who suffered with a brain health issue, and we made sense of dealing with the parents or parent by ignoring our feelings and shutting down, numbing ourselves, because even though we are getting the message our feelings don't matter, the pain is still there. We learn no one is going to help us deal with it, and we don't want to burden anyone with our emotions, so we try to stop feeling and maybe that was rewarded by our parents and loved ones. Maybe we got the message that this was strength, no pesky feelings to hold us back or weigh us down. Maybe we learned feelings themselves were the enemy. The child in many ways becomes the parent. What we see is that we never really learned what we need to keep ourselves safe and valued. Perhaps we were only valued in our ability to care for others. As you can see, in order to set healthy boundaries, we have to do some introspection and reflection. It is not easy work, but it is necessary. The boy kept coming back to the tree asking for things, and the tree kept giving. Sometimes we're afraid to say no because we fear that that person won't come back. We will lose them. Maybe that was the tree's motivation. In some relationships, we need to say goodbye. Maybe you can think of one right now and recognize that perhaps you should have said goodbye a long time ago, but something held you back. Think about what that something is and explore whether it's serving you or not. There is another trickier kind of line we walk as parents of children who are addicted or suffering with brain health issues. The line gets a little blurred between what is setting a healthy boundary that will serve us both and what is rescuing or overdoing. 
What is codependence? Most of us have been in situations with our children or other loved ones when they needed our help and we stepped in. Other times we let them struggle so they would develop the skills they need to survive in this world. If you have a child or a loved one who is struggling with addiction or brain health issues, I encourage you to explore this further with a therapist and determine where that line is for you and how the relationship can best be served as well as what boundaries you need to set that you haven't. Third, self-care. I know I continually go back to self-care, and if you haven't listened to the podcast on self-care, I encourage you to do so. It is a big responsibility, and it can mean many things. Healthy boundaries are a huge part of self-care. Included in this are setting boundaries with your time to make sure you exercise and eat healthy and have time to pray and meditate and are getting enough sleep. These are all boundary and self-care topics. Additionally, under the heading of self-care and boundaries, I want to address how many of us have been raised to be nice. Now, I do not like the word nice. I try to rarely use it because nice typically means someone without an opinion, someone who's willing to not set boundaries, someone who's willing to give everything and put up with anything. I readily admit I have a bias against the word. I guess I've seen too many, typically women, in my office who allowed people to walk all over their boundaries with the excuse that they didn't want anyone to think they were being mean. They wanted people to think they were nice. They didn't want anyone to get mad at them. My advice, be kind. Be compassionate. Don't worry about being nice. Having a few people mad at you once in a while is not a bad thing. In fact, depending on who is mad at you, it can be a very good thing. Fourth, get comfortable with saying no. In fact, right now, while you're sitting there at your computer or listening as you're cleaning or exercising, I want you, if you can, think of a time when someone asked you for something that you did not want to give or you did not want to do. Hold that image in your mind. And then I want you to draw in a deep breath and at the top of your lungs, as loud as you can, scream the word no. I'll wait. I think you can do better than that, especially if this is new to you. So take in another deep breath and one more time, scream no with all the energy and conviction you can muster. How do you feel in this moment? Is it a relief? Does it feel awkward and uncomfortable? Were you smiling after you did it? Were you sad? Think about where those feelings are coming from. And you get to say no. And how people feel about your no is on them. You're not responsible for their sad or mad or disappointed or frustrated or whatever feelings they try to put on you to get you to do what they want you to do. They are simply trying to tear down a boundary you've set. And don't be one of those people who says yes to things and then complains about it. If you say yes, make sure you're doing it with a happy heart or at least because you think it's important or you've considered it and feel it might be the right thing to do or you want to do it. If you are consistently saying yes to things and then complaining, you know you have not set a healthy boundary. Fifth, Take note of the people who try to talk you out of or ignore your boundaries. Point it out to them if they do it and measure their reaction. It will tell you a lot about the relationship and the person. 
If you find yourself having to set the same boundary again and again with the same person, there is a problem either of communication and or respect and awareness in that relationship. You get to take care of yourself. It is your responsibility. Sixth, by setting healthy boundaries, you're setting something else. A healthy example, and not just for your children if you have them, but for everyone in your world. You do not want to be at a place in your life where being an old stump and being sat on by loved ones is the thing that makes you happy. I found myself wondering how that stump could possibly be happy when the boy she claims to have loved so much is tired and alone at the end of his life and simply looking for some peace. There's a reason he's alone and unable to create a peaceful place for himself in the world. I'm guessing he did not learn how to love without taking everything, and he never learned to give. He never learned what healthy boundaries were. Don't be the boy or the tree. Set good boundaries that keep you safe and feeling valued in your relationship, and don't give yourself away. Stay healthy and fill your week with meaning and fun. As always, you can reach me at Katherine Kemp 